Are your knee-jerk reactions and responses demotivating to your husband? Welcome back to the Discipline of Joy, Imaging God's Imminence. As we've discussed, we use this phrase, Imaging God's Imminence, to refer to the art of receiving as a Catholic wife. And I want to backtrack here a little bit. Again, this is the fourth part of the Discipline of Joy. So if you haven't listened to the other three parts, please do go back and start the Discipline of Joy series from the beginning. I want to backtrack a bit and expound a little more um, as to why this part of the Discipline of Joy comes forth. The previous three parts of the Discipline of Joy are all about being a functional Catholic adult woman. While we talk about applying those previous three parts in this podcast within the context of being a Catholic wife, the previous three parts of the Discipline of Joy should be practiced by every Catholic woman, every woman regardless of the of their marital status should have a discipline of rest of honoring the commandment to keep holy the sabbath a discipline of claiming sabbath rest ideally on sundays yes but if needed given a woman's changing state in life then to claim sabbath rest when and where possible to acknowledge one's legitimate God-given need for that rest and making that rest a priority. And every woman, regardless of marital status, should have a discipline of daily rejoicing, of taking stock of God's blessings. And every woman, regardless of marital status, needs to learn to take responsibility for herself, for her actions, for her choices, needs to learn to be respectful of others, needs to work to eliminate manipulative and controlling behaviors, and needs to learn to focus on self-control and what she can do to be a saint regardless of what's going on around her. The first three parts of the Discipline of Joy have nothing to do with marital status. We simply discuss them within the context of marriage because this is a podcast for wives. But this fourth part of the Discipline of Joy has everything to do with our marital status. We are not called to receive everything from anyone and everyone. We are called to put boundaries up with many people and to refuse to receive certain things from certain people or limit our reception but our responsibility to image God's imminence to our husbands is specific, it is exclusive, it is explicit, it is inherent to our role as Catholic wives. And so if you have been listening faithfully and heard um, that exercise that we outlined at the end of last week's episode and felt like it was just ridiculously difficult, And even worse, if you try to actually complete the exercise and found it horrendously painful, understand um, that this should not be terribly surprising. Why? Because since this task to image God's imminence to our husband 
is integral to marriage, it is integral to the married woman's state of being, then it should come as no surprise that the devil will attack this area of life with even greater tenacity than any of the previous parts of the discipline of joy. If you find it not only difficult, but maybe even scary to receive what your husband gives, or rather what God gives through your husband, you are not alone. You have been under constant attack and you will continue to be under constant attack. The devil does not want you to render this service unto your husband because it is so transformative. It is so transformative. The other three parts of the discipline of joy have the potential to transform you as a human being, but this part of the discipline of joy, which is specific to marriage, can transform your marriage. And again, this part, the part you're on now, is one for which you are set up to have success by the previous three parts of the discipline of joy. This is a roadmap. This is a roadmap. John Gray says, quote, men are motivated and empowered when they feel needed. When a man does not feel needed in a relationship, he gradually become, becomes passive and less energized. With each passing day, he has less to give the relationship. On the other hand, when he feels trusted to do his best to fulfill her needs and appreciated for his efforts, he is empowered and has more to give. In the beginning of a relationship, a woman gives a man a brief look that says, you could be the one to make me happy. In this subtle way, she actually initiates their relationship. This look encourages him to come closer. It empowers him to overcome his fears of having a relationship. Unfortunately, once they are in a relationship and as the problems begin to emerge, she doesn't know how important that message still is to him and neglects to send it. When a man is in love, he is motivated to be the best he can be in order to serve others. When his heart is open, he feels so confident in himself that he is capable of making major changes. Given the opportunity to prove his potential, he expresses his best self. Only when he feels he cannot succeed does he regress back to his old selfish ways. When a man doesn't feel like he is making a positive difference in someone else's life, it is hard for him to continue caring about his life and relationships. When a woman realizes that she has been giving too much, she tends to blame her partner for their unhappiness. She feels the injustice of giving more than she has received. Although she has not received what she has deserved, to improve her relationships, she needs to recognize how she contributed to the problem. When a woman gives too much, she should not blame her partner. Instead of blaming a man for giving less, a woman can accept and forgive her partner's imperfections, especially when he disappoints her, 
trust that he wants to give more when he doesn't offer his support, and encourage him to give more by appreciating what he does give. End quote. And as usual, when reading from John Gray, I want to emphasize that this is coming from a man. So with that said, I hope you were able to do the tracking exercise that we outlined at the end of last week's episode. And last week we said that we would pick up right where we left off with that exercise. Once you've done it, what do you do with that information? If you observed in yourself a knee-jerk reaction that was demotivating towards your husband, how do you set out to change? Knee-jerk reactions are the hardest to change because at that point they are thoughtless. They tumble out of your mouth. And so what needs to be said up front is you really have to want this one. If you don't want this badly enough, if you don't want badly enough to change in this area, you won't. And if you have started working on this discipline of joy and have found that you can't really seem to stick with it, what it really comes down to is not wanting it badly enough. Some people need to hit rock bottom, and my husband and I did, and I don't recommend it because it's so difficult to dig oneself out of that hole. If you cannot make (laughs) the same mistakes we did, don't, you know? When it comes to learning to receive in a godly manner, to image God's imminence, Some of the negative responses for which you were watching over the course of the last week should be addressed by remaining faithful in your usage of the respect examine that we introduced in episode 14. If you've been using that examine, there should not have been much criticizing or many unsolicited helpful suggestions or undoing what he's done to redo something yourself your way or expressing disapproval of his actions. So we're going to assume that you have been faithful um, in your usage of that examen. And so what we're going to focus on today is the stuff that's not addressed by the examen. In our last episode, we gave five of the most common demotivating responses or behaviors in a wife. Um, Not a a comprehensive list by any means, but hopefully an enlightening enough list to lay the groundwork for identifying demotivating responses. And so now we're going to dive into the two responses which are not explicitly covered in the examen from episode 14. So let's start with following a thank you up with a caveat which it turns out is something that sounds like criticism to our husbands, because it is. The following excerpt is from Shanti Feldhans for Women Only, which we spotlighted at the end of last month. She writes, quote, I cannot tell you the number of times a man has shared how secretly painful it is when his wife tries to thank him, but instead sends the signal, but it wasn't good enough. As one man told me, she'll come into the kitchen after I've finished wiping down all the countertops. I'm proud it looks so good, and she'll say, thanks, honey. Oh, but you missed the crumbs under the toaster. Under the toaster? I know she doesn't mean you failed, but privately it kills me 
Many women have been confused about why their men would say, nothing I do is good enough for you. Huh? Well, guess what? That is a giant red flag. Without realizing it, we've been sending them the ultimate in painful messages. You tried and failed. End quote. So when you thank your husband, do you stop with thank you? Do you leave it at that and let him bask in your gratitude? Or do you try to sneak in comments on how whatever it was can be done better or differently next time? For this one, and really for everything, we need to use a tool which Laura Doyle, author of The Empowered Wife and hostess of The Empowered Wife podcast, refers to as duct tape. (laughs) So much of learning respect, but especially in this area of receiving, is not only learning to say the right words, not even primarily learning to say the right words, but rather to learn to stop talking. So often, so much of disrespect comes out when we keep talking. We start out okay and we start out with good intentions and then we let our mouth run and it's a disaster. How hard is it for you to just say thank you when you think that something could have been done better, differently, more efficiently? I'm going to guess, based on my own experience, that it's extremely difficult to just say thank you and stop there. But that's the only way to do it. It's so simple and so hard. And then the second thing is saying no thank you or I'll do it myself. This one um, is not one which we can make any blanket statements about. This one really requires self-knowledge and constant vigilance and here's why. On the one hand, um, if allowing your husband to do something for you is an occasion of sin, where you are just so worked up about having something done a certain way that you will hate the outcome just because he does it differently and you're going to be resentful and disgusted and difficult about it, then yeah, do it yourself and avoid the near occasion of sin. But on the other hand, the more that you can allow your husband to serve you, the happier both of you will be and the healthier your marriage will be. There's a middle ground that you have to find. It's a middle ground that you have to maintain. And no one can really tell you when you've gotten there. The indicator that you've reached that middle ground is that you feel cherished. But the caveat to that is that if you're not well-formed, if you're an incredibly selfish and entitled person, what would normally make a well-formed woman feel cherished is not going to cut it for you and also maintenance. It's very easy to backslide on this. You might reach a place of being well-formed and receiving graciously and feeling cherished, and then you might start to backslide in any of those areas. You might start becoming entitled. You might start becoming critical. You might start being ungrateful. And so, ladies, I really believe that having the other parts of the discipline of joy reasonably down can help to reach and to maintain this middle ground to which I refer. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us. 
You can find all the quotes and resources referenced in today's episode on our website. We'd love to hear from you. And we're looking forward to having you with us again next week on the Will to Wife podcast. Thank you.